What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Taylor Davis taking time out of his Valentine's Day Eve. I'm sure he already made the dinner reservation. Uh, you're hearing this on Valentine's Day, but we're recording on the 13th. Jack, Taylor, show and go. We're talking rule changes because Taylor has firsthand experience with all of them, including position players on the bump in a major league game. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about Christian Javier um, signing that five-year $64 million arbitration extension with the Houston Astros, which is so cool. And it's so pro player. Uh, and I'm really excited to have Taylor's thoughts on it because episode one, if I remember correctly, was talking about what the Mets were doing and also talking about what the Braves were doing with the Murphy extension and things like that. But uh, first and foremost, what was your Super Bowl setup? Super Bowl setup, man, man cave, stuck in the man cave. Uh, wife put the son to bed so I could sit down here and have a little red wine, watch the Super Bowl, man. I'm an old man now. Um, pretty boring. You know, like I'm a big, this is like, I'm sure this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but 95% of sporting events I would rather watch at home. And let me say this too. I, it might be discounted because I go to so many live sporting events. Um, yeah. but I, the, like the comfort of my own home, the, the whole thing, man. And honestly, like traffic really, really just irks me. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. before we get too far, it's a happy belated birthday to, to co-host Jack McMullen. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm in quarter life crisis. Just striking me 25 years old. I can rent a car without the insurance premium spiking wow. up, yeah, which is, is massive. Last, this is like the last cool birthday because that's the last thing that you get. Now you get nothing. You get no right. more or anything. No, I mean like 26 is shit. I need health insurance. 30 is shit. I'm 30, right? <laughs> like it's it's each of those. You have that shit moment. But 25, you're right. Like now I can rent a car. We're cool. Yep. yep. So um, yeah, I, I had some people over, but I like where your head's at there. Um, I have no interest in going to the Super Bowl. I have no interest in paying a thousand dollars to go grab a nosebleed seat at the Super Bowl. What I do have interest in is sports that I'm like a, a really big fan of going to the marquee event. So like going to the college football national championship game. Uh, I haven't been to a final four, but the first round of the NCAA tournament is so much fun. And that's actually bang for your buck. Cause it's like four games. You, the best memory I had growing up was my dad pulling me out of school on a Thursday, Friday, when the NCAA tournament was in Chicago or Milwaukee or Indy. And we would go to the the morning session, which was like a noon and three o'clock tip. And then the evening session, which was like a six and a nine o'clock tip. And it was the coolest day of the year, bar none. So I'm a fan of that. Um, but I'm with you. Like there's something about TV coverage that like just surpasses that. Now, the only thing I will add is I'm much more of a fan now of going to an NBA basketball game. If I can sit 100 level, because I look at those guys, like I look at the shoulder definition on these guys of like a six ten, underratedly big. Yeah. Like that's the thing. You don't really understand how huge someone like Giannis is until you see them and you're almost games. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh my gosh, you're massive humans. So I'm sure you dealt with that. I think the same thing can be said about offensive and defensive linemen too. I think linemen are just horribly underratedly huge. Those guys, 
And like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, they're listed at you know Jordan Davis is listed at what six eight three fifty whatever it was right. right? right, right. But like they're standing next to a guy that's almost as big as him. And until you get down on that sideline and see that, man. Now you brought up a memory for me though. I will say this: I loved when I was growing up spring training baseball. Yes, I, me too. I know, like it probably is going to sound like I'm I'm pitching something, but like my parents would get me out of school once a month for that, and I'd go watch a I'd go watch a spring training game, and man. Like I lived in Jupiter, so I was either watching the Marlins or the Cardinals. I was watching some good players. Like that was fun to me. I love spring training baseball. Well, and it's like you're in a compact environment. There's not many people there compared to a normal major league baseball game. And here you are, you're probably watching Pujols and uh Wainwright and Chris Carpenter and like David Eckstein and Jim Edmonds, like all these guys are so close to you. You can get up on the railing and hang a ball over and ask for their autograph, right? Like that's and, the cool thing. And like you said, it's probably a, a fourth of a ticket, especially, you know, for a team like the Cubs, yeah. given you've got to get to, you've got to get to Arizona if you're not <laughs> living there, but like you're, you know, the tickets themselves, or if you're going to travel somewhere to see the Cubs play, you're going to save $300 a ticket going to Arizona. So as, as a player, um, you know, one of my favorite parts in Mesa, whether I was going to like Ho-Ho Cam, which was the old complex for the Cubs or uh, the new one, I haven't been to Sloan yet, but the accessibility from a fan perspective to the guys on the field is the best part of spring training. Is that like a highlight for the players too, or is that almost a nuisance? No, no, it's, it's awesome. We love it. I remember in, in Chicago, like the, when big league camp first starts and I actually I played it both. I did. I started at Ho Ho Cam, which is now the Athletics. I think is it still called Ho Ho Cam too? I believe it might be. Yeah, um, I'm not sure because it was run by the tribe, obviously. Um, right. But anyway, I, the the new park has this cool on one of the fields, like the main BP field. There's like this hill that people can they let people like stand on and watch before games. They only shut it down um, like right before the game, so guys can go. There's like a path to let us go to the field. But man, like. It's awesome because it's March and you're seeing these fans that are as in love with the game as you are and and so passionate about, like you said, just seeing you out there. It's 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 exciting. I think it's really cool for like for the me's, for the guys that aren't Anthony Rizzo, for the guys that aren't Chris Bryant. Uh, those guys, I, I'm still getting swarmed by kids just because I'm a Cubs player. And like, yeah, that is really, really cool. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Are you uh I, I firmly stand Team Cactus League. Are you Team Cactus League or Team Grapefruit League? You know, my family lives in Florida, so that was nice that my parents got to have more accessible accessibility to see me. Without question, it's Arizona. It's the the fact, you know, the fact that everybody's so close is step one. But yeah. the other thing is, you know, when I was when there, you know, I think I said this in an earlier episode, but man, there's like those stadiums get packed. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, you know, like Tampa with Judge and those guys, occasionally they'll get sold out. For sure. There is, and the other thing is, you know, 30 teams are, or 15 teams are within an hour and a half of each other. And there's one main place that everybody goes to the bars or goes to eat. So 15 teams worth of people are at one spot. You're seeing all your buddies at one time. It's awesome. And Scottsdale's freaking sick. Scottsdale. There is very, I've said this, I think that Scottsdale has the most beautiful accumulation of people in spring training. Like just all around, 
just the whole it's just so cool i i love every bit of it the only thing that sucks a little different about arizona is that it's freezing in the morning and it's it's a hundred by by the right. time right it's funny because yeah. you can tell who has never done an arizona spring training because they don't know how to dress for an arizona spring training they've yeah. got four layers under the jersey not understanding that look i gotta have something just over the jersey real quick i can pop off when it gets hot right it, it's not you're not spending time in the mountains. Like those guys have never spent time in the mountains. Cause that's how it is in Colorado. That's how it is in, in Utah. That's how it is in Wyoming, Montana, right? It's, it's 20 and then it's 90 and then it's 30 and then it's 80. So yeah. Sound I, like, that sounds like a Midwest, Mid, Midwest weekly forecast, right? It there. does sound like a Midwest weekly forecast, but that's like a mountain daily forecast there. Yeah. So I, yes. I'm glad we're both team Caxis. Uh, I'm getting out to Florida um, I'm going to go for some spring training stuff and then the world baseball classic in mid-March. So I'm excited for my, I think it's my second grapefruit league experience, but I grew up with the cactus league. So that's, that's why I'm all about it. I want to talk about Christian Javier five years, $64 million. He had three years of service time. So they bought out two free agent years. He makes $21 million in each of those free agent deals, each of those free agent years. This first year it's 3 million. It escalates to 21 and 21. Javier is a two-pitch guy, but those two pitches are two of the best pitches in all of baseball. He started a combined no-hitter in the World Series. Opponents hit 180 against his fastball, 120 against his slider. When you watch Christian Javier, and then I want to get into the contract language and why like, it's so cool, and we'll get into the structure and everything, but just Javier the player. When you watch Christian Javier, does it register how hard of an at-bat that would be or... Like, is it, oh, well, he's only got two pitches. I only have to prep for those two. And these guys are almost taken aback. No. I, and I'm also a guy that I really think that, it, like, I watch baseball and I think it's harder. I look at baseball and I go, man, it's hard to hit. I think a lot of people that play will look at it and go, man, I could hit that. I almost think it's harder because you see the actual movement of these pitches and you're like, wow, like, I hit that. Right. Um, you know, but I, I, it's electric. Uh, you know, it's Spencer Strider ish with, less um like he's not max effort every pitch yeah. it's smooth and it's it's one of those guys that like I you know what I'm throwing it's just gonna it's by you the yeah. fastball is I, I love watching guys with big fastballs like that and it's it's a fun guy to watch it's a guy that can be a number a legitimate number one you're yeah. paying a number one you're a world series winner you're, <laughs> you're gonna be a world series contender and you're talking about paying a number one 21 million dollars I, I can't tell like that has got to be something to be said right there. There have to be very few teams. I mean, I guess the Braves last year had Charlie Morton at 20, but that's that's something unique right there alone to start on the contract. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, he hasn't obviously proven that he can be a one, but he just threw 150 innings this year. He threw 101 in a swingman, or not 101 miles an hour. He threw 101 innings in 2021 in a swingman-type role, and that's where we saw him excel in 2021. He was the best swing man in baseball. He proved it during the postseason. He does finally get a chance to crack the starting rotation this year, and he runs away, and now he's a top 15 starting pitcher in baseball, maybe even a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball. My favorite thing about Javier is two pitches. You fall into that two-pitch pigeonhole, whatever. He manipulates the slider. The slider looks a bunch of different ways because, like you're saying, it's not max effort every time, and it's not like slowing arm speed or anything, but it's it's adjusting shape. There's almost two or three versions of that slider. 
And when you have confidence with like your main breaking ball and you can go to it in a bunch of different ways, that probably opens up a new world for yourself and for catchers. Have you ever worked with a guy that like manipulates a breaking pitch and creates two or three pitches off that? Yeah, I've, I've worked with a guy. I didn't catch him a ton, so I don't want to act like I've got a, a significant amount of experience, but I've watched him pitch a lot, and that was Jake Arrieta, a guy who had arguably one of the best second halves in the history of the game. Yeah, He had the ability uh, to, to really change his shape on his slider the exact same way. He would throw the big one. He would throw the little cutter. You know, there was rumors. I, I never talked to him about this, but I heard from guys that caught him that said that he wouldn't make the decision of – when he wanted to throw that pitch, like which pitch he was throwing until he was in the middle of the windup. And you go, okay, what do I feel like? Like, what am I looking at? Huh. So like that's crazy interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can really only do that if you have that big fastball too. I, I kind of think that plays into it because there there's a lot there. Like for Javier, yes, he's only throwing two pitches, but like you said, that's four pitches, not to the hitter, but for him. He's yeah. got to make sure that he's maintaining multiple sliders uh, and, you know, something that a lot of, of of fans, when they just read the data and they just look at the track, man, or they look at what happens after the games, may not even recognize that there are certain pitches that get thrown that aren't marked correctly. So these guys that are throwing, um, you know, all these sliders, there may be a couple curveballs in there that just didn't break enough for the track man to recognize it. Not that he's doing that, but just another example of it's just something else you've got to you've got to like correlate for the rest of your body. You've got to put it all together. Yeah. Um, all right, contract structure with Javier. Five years, 64, pre-ARP. Um, so it's buying out all three arbitration years. We were this just talking about what? This would have been year one of ARB. This would have been year one of ARB, and he's got three million coming into the bank this year. And then he's got 20, 21 and 21 in the two free agent years. Um, we were talking about a little bit pre-record, uh, and we talked about it on the Just Baseball show as well. Dana Brown is the new general manager of the Houston Astros. He took over after James Click was let go. And, you know, have your thoughts about Click being let go. He just won a World Series as an exec. He's obviously great. He was, you know, part of the regime that, you know, has created this dynasty that is the Houston Astros. They just keep on showing up in the ALCS. But they replace him with a guy that is overqualified for the job, which is great, uh, has also been under Alex Anthopoulos for however many years. I think mean, he just spent the last three years as the director of scouting with the Atlanta Braves. He was in Toronto with Alex Anthopoulos before they made the move to Ross Atkins. So Dana Brown obviously saw that the structure for the Braves worked and he decided to implement it in Houston. Do you think this is the start of something league-wide? Like, do you think this contract is going to be apparent on all 30 rosters? I mean, I think you're already seeing it. I think it's just another one in the in the thing. I think an interesting part about – I hadn't even really thought about this until so you said it, but an interesting part about James Click to Dana Brown is that you went from a, a totally analytics guy to a scouting guy. That's yeah. a really interesting shift. Now, is there something to be said about that? Couldn't tell you. I don't know what the Astros are thinking, but maybe there was something there. Well, um, obviously, we know Dusty is a scouting guy. Like, we know James Click and Dusty Baker were butting heads. Obviously, ownership side with Dusty Baker. So maybe they go to a guy that thinks a lot like Dusty Baker does. Right. And, and you know, the interesting part about what he about this deal is you took your – this is, once again, this is talking about the old school and the new school language just being different in that Javier is a really good new school pitcher. The old school guy loved him because he performed, he produced, and he did it. Let's lock him down. 
I think that you're going to see that it's going to be way more often with with starters because you can take more chances with starters. Uh, in the call up, we talked about Aaron Ashby and yeah. how um, you know Aaron Ashby doesn't have to be incredibly good for that that contract to work. He's got to throw yeah. innings, and and I think that the same can kind of be said here. Like he doesn't have to be a number one, but if he is, you've out you've outpaid you've outperformed the pay. The other thing that you're going to see is like that helps them pay other guys. And we talked about being proud of being somewhere. And I, I really think that's how you started. That's how you start that college football atmosphere. Well, not now with the transfer portal, but how it used to be where, you know, you were there and you, you were going to win no matter what happened. And if you didn't win, you were just, it, it doesn't matter. You were still the best. Yeah. And I think you can kind of do that now. You know, they're going to have a lot of big decisions coming up. They got a lot of guys they got to extend or, or figure out what they're going to do. They also have a lot of pieces that they don't have to extend yet. Um, it's, I'll be interested to see like, how much do you think that shapes Kyle Tucker's deal? Like how much, you know? Yeah. I think, I think we're probably looking at a Kyle Tucker extension sooner rather than later, especially after this domino falls, right? Um, Jordan is already locked up. Javier is locked up. Apparently the recent news is they're looking at reworked contracts for Altuve and Bregman, right? They're looking to re-up both those guys. They're the both because Bregman is over. They're both over after this year, or after next year. I think after next, uh, I'll pull up the payroll table right now. But the guy that I actually wanted to highlight here that may be available for it and is probably in a worse situation than Christian Javier is Framber Valdez. And they're kind of opposites, right? Because Javier is a ride four seam guy. Valdez is a, is a bowling ball sinker, but those two at the top is awesome. That's my favorite tandem one, two in baseball. It's not the best, but it's my favorite to watch. Like, trust me, nowhere near the best, right? Nola and Wheeler are up there. Scherzer and Verlander, number one for sure. Um, and then you got Cole and Rodon with the Yankees. Now, like, this is a whole nother episode. I'm probably missing one. Um, but Valdez and Javier, my favorites to watch because they're so stupidly different. Um, and I think they're both really good. And, and obviously Javier is the one that analytics folks will like more because of the high four seamer, but Valdez has proven durability. My favorite thing about these two, they're both $10,000 international free agents. They probably have some pride in being Houston Astros because they were the one organization that took a chance on them. I bet Javier was inclined to sign this deal because he felt at home do you think Fromber gets an offer similar to this? I uh, tell me, tell me Fromber. Like, let's let's compare the compare the career stats for me. Yeah. So Javier, um, 101 innings in 2021. Um, his first year was 2020. 145 innings in 2022. I'll pull up Javier's ERA in a moment. Um, Off the top of my head, I would say. Well, because Fromber's older too, isn't he? Fromber's older. Fromber is four years older. Yeah, uh, see, that's where I'll say I don't. I don't see him getting that that good of a deal unless maybe it's a tick longer. Like you give him a six for sixty, something like that. But so, I don't know. If he'll take that. So here's Javier in three big league seasons, including the COVID short in 2020, 300 innings, um, a 3.05 ERA, a 1.03 WHIP. Um. Framber Valdez, let's see, got his first taste in 2018. 2019, he threw 70 innings as, for the most part, a bullpen guy. 2020, 70 innings as a starter. He's been a full-time starter each of the last two seasons. He's thrown 514 innings in five years, and he's got a 3.38 ERA, a 1.25 whip. 
He's getting a cheaper deal for sure if he gets something like this because his arbitration will take him, I think, to his age 32 season versus Javier. Even with this extension, he's going to be up after his age 30 season. Um, I, but I, I think don't know. Try. And like, if you're Fromber, like, that's a team where, like, why not? Why you're going to win if you if you like the guys there, if you like the city. I, I can't see him saying no to something if they offered him a, a competitive deal. Yeah, I would have yeah. to do that. Let's talk. I want to talk about this unless you got anything else about the Astros. I got to go ahead. Just confirming Bregman and Altuve up after the 2024 season, not the 23 season. So then you're going to have those after 24. You're going to have Tucker after 26. Uh, Kyle Tucker is going to be up after 25. 25. So like you got a lot of decisions coming up with a lot of big money. Martin Maldonado, like you got to make a decision uh, if the if the guy you brought up this year is going to be your guy because you thought he was going to be the what was that guy's name the catcher Corey Lee, yeah you thought he was going to be the piece like yeah that's where you try to figure out how to spend money you know like um I, I don't know I, I don't know what they're thinking is but that's that's a big spot that they're going to be some good players uh, probably available in a few years so yeah. um let's talk about contracts and you know you and me have chatted a little bit about interesting contracts and i texted you this one let's talk about chad green's contract yeah now i'm gonna be biased talk about chad green because i know chad green i've caught chad green uh great human being but really good stuff i almost want to say he overperformed i don't think i think he was like a fourth round pick out of university of louisville um and he's just been a really good piece out of the bullpen he's just been extremely good for the new york yankees um, he was he 11th set, round 11th round there you go so he's yeah. sick you know he definitely overperformed and he's he's uh you know he's pitched in the big stage um he was a he's thrown high leverage situations for them and i i love the deal but it's an interesting contract and it's got so it's you can explain it i'm not looking at it i'm sure you're looking at it yeah i'm looking there, <laughs> there's a lot of words here i mean it's it's complex which is it's good like, it's like a two year deal initially it's got like a one year at 2 right it's a one year deal it's one year at 225 with a player um, with so here's the deal after this year there's a club option at three years 27 million dollars so if they love what chad green does this year they automatically ink him to a three-year 27 million dollar deal he's getting nine mil in his age 33 34 and 35 season if that club option is declined then he gets a one-year 6.25 million dollar player option so he can opt into one year 625. If he declines that, then all of a sudden it goes back to a club option at two years, 21 million at 10.5 a year. That's complex, but I love it. You know, I think I think the big reason is you've got you're gonna have to make a decision on very little sample size. You're gonna see very little of him post TJ because he's not gonna be healthy until the end of the year. So you're gonna see a little bit out of him. You know, the rehab process will obviously be huge for him. Uh, but I, I think he's gonna I think they take that that three year deal. If if I'm if I'm them, I'm taking the three year deal right away. But uh we'll see. We'll see what happens, you know, as his as his arm gets healthy and everything. But it's just, just another like wrinkle, another really interesting baseball piece that you know, people probably don't think that a, a whole lot like that goes into contracts. And there's a ton of stuff like that that gets thrown into to random deals here and there. Which I love. And, you know, that that's something you're right. That is totally slept on because 
I think a lot of people, they look at, you know, Aaron Judge and it's like, oh, he's probably worth uh, 360 over nine years. Yeah, that sounds about right. That That's as simple as they get. I know it's the most money as they come by, but that is as simple as they get where it's flat rate, no trade clause, whatever. That's when you start to get creative and that's where the execs do their best work, where you start to buy up arbitration years uh, and, and trade the player almost for uh, some free agent years, right? Like you get a bit more money on the front end so we can save a couple mil on the back end. Darvish. And then you have, yeah, Darvish, right? And it's the dialogue with the players where you're not highest bidder wins on Judge or highest bidder wins on, on Carlos Rodon or whatever. Sure. It's how can we help you make this the best situation for you, the player? And, and I think this is a really cool deal because Chad Green... Seven years, he's got a 3-1 ERA out of the bullpen. He's a damn good reliever when he's on the mound. And that he's was in the mound. AL East. It was in the AL East. I mean, he was, for a team starved of reliability, he was a reliable back end of the bullpen guy for a long time for the Yankees. You talk, you talk about um, you talk about like teams going to, to help bring guys in. Think about this one. Whether it's real or not, the Cubs signed David Ross when they signed John Lester. Yeah. Whether that was real or not, you did it. And that's a really interesting tidbit to where, you know, John Lester got $155 million. He probably could have topped that somewhere. Now, there's a yeah. lot of good things that were happening in Chicago. You had Theo there. You had, uh, you know, the new the new spring training facility. The new Everything was happening at Wrigley. You had a lot of great stuff happening. Right. But right. they hadn't won up until that point. And there's a chance that he would have got more money somewhere else. So, you know, it's an interesting tidbit. It's just this game is not played on a spreadsheet. Like there's a human element here. And I think the Lester David Ross thing is a perfect example of that because that is human being Theo Epstein negotiating with human being John Lester. What do we have to do to make John Lester the most comfortable here and make Chicago home? Because we're going to pay you very handsomely. There's another team that might swoop in and offer you 10 more million dollars. 10 million dollars is really cool. But playing with your best friend for the next eight years is also really cool. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, yeah, no doubt. The other, I'll say this about Theo, too. You know, I, I do. I, I just I have so much praise for Theo. But, you know, one thing about Theo and I've been around a few high level baseball executives and he had he's probably the easiest to talk to that I've been around. Um, I, I tell this story because I think it's it's very uh, humanizing of somebody of that level. But like the first big league spring training I was at. Sure, he knew he invited me to camp, but no way did he really need to know who I was. I was not a top prospect. I was a very late invite as a non-roster invite. And like halfway through camp, my family was there and we're walking back from a game and Theo was with his family and he stopped. He stopped. His family stopped my family and in introduced himself to my whole family, introduced his family to me. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. I say the same thing about Jason Hayward. The first time I walked into a big league clubhouse and Jason Hayward was there, he knew my name. He did not need to know my name by any means. It was unbelievable that he did, and I really appreciated it, but he didn't need to. That goes to show you that what happens in the clubhouse matters. Yeah. You know, that those are the stories that show you that there is, like you said, that human element still exists. And it's going to come back. At some point, that human element will rise again. You know, you know what else is is cool about that Hayward tidbit is I love the guys that that love ball. Um, like you obviously know when you're playing another triple A team, 
you know who the best players on that opposing team are because you just love baseball. Like you want to know who the Cardinals top prospects in AAA are like chances are you knew who, I mean, this is what back end of the top 30 prospects for the Cardinals, but chances are you knew who Connor Thomas was five ten lefty that just happens to get outs before you see Memphis. Um, I think Kevin Durant is like the best example of that in basketball. This guy is like noted for quietly watching so much basketball. Like he watches WNBA hoops. He watches mid-major college hoops. He he watches women's college basketball. He watches the overtime elite stuff. Like he just loves ball. So he knows everybody's game. Jason Hayward, that strikes me as a guy that just loves ball. So he was watching Iowa Cubs games to see who could come help the Chicago Cubs and he was pretty interested in who he was going to play with, who his future teammates were. And, and you're probably not wrong. You know, he's he's another dude, a really good dude, just opened up a sick facility in Chicago. He's probably going to make that. He's got a good chance, I'd say, to make that Dodgers team, I would think. But, yeah. um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said. I, I, I just really feel like I, I watch so much baseball because I want to I want to see as many situations as I, as I can, because so many situations come up and they don't happen often. Yeah. Um, there was a situation like I, the one I saw today, and I remember this, but going back to the Astros, the Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel uh, play that happened at the end of last year. Yuli Gurriel tagged up on a fly ball to right field, left early, for sure left early. Kyle Tucker tagged from second, got to third. They stepped off to appeal the play. So Kyle Tucker's on third base, taking his lead. They stepped off to appeal the play to third base. Kyle Tucker got into a rundown and got tagged out because – now that play can no longer be appealed because another play has occurred. Huh? Like that's a really, really cool baseball IQ play, whether yeah. it was him, or whether it was probably the coach, I would assume it's a coaching staff saying, Hey, you need to get picked off here because if you are out that run scores, we have no guarantee you're going to score. We are guaranteed right. that run scores. Um, crazy. Wow. Out, right? That's like, really cool. That's like trying to run a play as quickly as possible in football after like, a, a semi-reviewable play. You watched like, it last night. You watched it last night where it would have worked had there not been the penalty. That substitution. Yeah, that substitution thing. You're you're exactly right. That's really cool, man. And like you pick up on all this stuff and you probably enhance yourself as a baseball player because obviously so much of it is physical, but the mental side of the game, like the game can almost slow down when you've seen close to every situation imaginable. I mean, it's just like anything else. You know, you see it once, it's going to be easier to see. It's going to be easier the second time you see it, you know, no, no matter what happens. Or you're going to have a, you're going to, no matter what, you're going to have a, you're going to have a comment. You're going to have an idea of what did work, what didn't work. You're going to have some anecdote um, uh, to go off of. So that always helps. And, you know, you can learn something from every level of the game. You can learn something from watching all these guys and, yeah. uh, you know, even just watching how they go about their business, whatever it may be. And there's so many talented players. There's so many incredible coaches. There's so much going on right now that there's so much to learn um, that it's a, it's a fun time to watch in that sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I want to wrap with a position player pitching rule, which uh, was just leaked by Jesse Rogers, who uh, was doing good stuff on the Cubs front at ESPN is now transitioned into more of a, a national role, I think, but yeah, Jesse Rogers, uh, he sourced somebody into the new rules uh, from Major League Baseball being instituted because I, I think it did become a problem at the end of the 2022 season when you had position players throwing all the time and which was once a cool novel thing all of a sudden became a waste of time, which kind of sucks because when you did it, it was really cool. And we'll get into your position player pitching thing in a moment, but position players can only pitch 
when the game goes into extra innings, when your team is up by 10 plus runs in the ninth inning, or when your team is trailing by eight plus runs in the ninth inning, yay or nay? So uh, you can't do anything in the eighth. Can't do anything before the ninth well, inning. Well, then I'm down on that because because how many of those teams at home that are losing by 10 in the eighth are going to, th- that's when you throw the position player yeah. you're down yeah. by 10 in the eighth, you throw him there. So you're, cause you're not going to pitch the ninth, right? In the, in the, am I saying that right? Or is it the, would it be the other way around? No, I, Other way around road okay. team down by 12 or whatever. You have them throw the bottom of the eighth. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. So I don't like that. You know, like, I don't, I don't hate it. And I read a number that said what a hundred, the difference was 2017. There were like 32 position players in last year. There were like 132 guys that threw, but I I don't like that. But the other thing, one, how, now this may have been listed. I didn't see it. Like how many winning teams have thrown a position player? Um, I remember a couple of cases of, of, teams doing it remember the dodgers were shot down when they were up six and they wanted to throw a position player i didn't know they were up six i thought they were down six i think they were up six and they wanted to throw it no you know what they might have been down six and it wasn't a big enough difference yeah you're right down six and they wanted to throw a position player i just don't like i i can't fathom a team going like looking at the winning side of that and being like oh i want to throw a guy before i'm up 10 i can't fathom that but Um, the down eight runs part, I don't mind it being eight runs. Once again, this is just an area where I wish that, like, I wish us as players, teams, uh, coaches would have just handled it. I wish we would have just taken care of it before MLB had to institute the rule. Um, you know, the one thing it's going to do though, is it's going to create more guys throwing in games. And so in these blowouts, it means more arms, which means more guys are going to end up getting called up from AAA because that's the reality. So the people that are happy about that need to know that because if you're somebody that's that's sad about seeing a position player pitch but also sad about seeing guys shuttled up and down, you're now going to see both. Yep. You know, and now you've limited the options also. So, you know, you're kind of going into some interesting territory. But the eighth inning part kind of kind of is wild to me. Yeah, right. Um now, I, I want to go to August 6th, 2019, seeing Oakland. Do you remember you saw four, uh, five hitters? Mm-hmm. You got out of the inning in 12 pitches. Scoreless, right? Yeah, I mean, just a quick zero in the show. Quick zero in the show. You got a zero, zero, zero ERA. The, what is the whip? Um, three. High. Three singles. Yeah, it's a three, but they were weak. Uh, ex- average exit velo is way down way down it looks like um i don't have the batted ball data on the three singles it looks like matt olson stung you for a single maybe um but i do have the exit velo on chad pinder grounding into a fielder's choice right back to you web gem 65.3 off the bat i mean we contact machine and then 88 miles an hour from steven piscotti off the bat for an out all I'm saying is, you're like, I, I preach to my pitchers. You miss barrels, not bats. That was my goal, and it worked. You know, uh, no, that was a, that was an incredibly fun opportunity. It was, uh, you know, and for the people that don't know, that was the first game that Kyle Schwarber got to come back behind the plate after his injury. It was really neat. It turned out to be even cooler for me because of that. So as we're coming off the field, he gets a standing ovation for catching, and I'm walk like for kids at home. You want to – the coolest thing you can fathom is walking off of Wrigley Field to the entire stadium standing and cheering, and yeah. I got to do that. Whether it was to me or not, I don't care. <laughs> but it was really freaking cool. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. And like, I'm sure Kyle really appreciated it. And I love that you're right. You're riding the coattails there. That's awesome. But I want to think that, um, especially after that play where you got Pinder, uh, they, part of that applause was for you. You faced six guys. My count was wrong. I've already said some of their names. Can you name the six Oakland A's that you saw? Uh, it was the it was the heart. It was Jerickson Profar, yes. uh, Mark Hanna, yes. Matt Olson, Chad Pinder. Oh man, was Loriano? Was Loriano was not. You're missing the last two guys you saw. Okay, um, give me a position. Uh, they're both outfielders. Piscotti, you already said Piscotti. Piscotti. I, uh, I don't. I I don't remember the last one. Uh, last year he was a Tiger and a Brave. Eddie Rosario? Nope. No, he wasn't a Tiger. A Tiger and a Brave. He started a Tiger? Yep. Oh, did he get – oh, um, he walks a lot, right? Like Grossman? Was it Grossman? Robbie Grossman. Yeah. Does Robbie Grossman walk a lot? I believe, like, was it the year he got – like the first year he got paid? I think he – go look it up. I think the first year, like in Detroit, he was like super underrated because he actually got on base a ton or did something. There was something like that. I want to say Robbie Grossman. Yeah, he had a fourteen and a half percent walk rate in twenty twenty one. Yeah, damn man, look at you. Um, I'm telling you, man. I got a little bit. I, I know a little bit of everything. Wait, I want to. I want to have a five. I want to be able to have a five minute conversation with anybody that asks me a question. Yeah. Yeah. So that is something that I decided that I wanted to be able to do in college when I knew that I wanted to like be in communications, like be in broadcast. I want to, I want to be able to interact with anybody. And my thing that like is, you know, common cliche, but I want to know one thing about as many things as possible. So a, a conversation can go in any sort of direction. Is that what you're shooting to do? Yeah. You can always make a comment. Uh, don't get me wrong. I probably make more comments than I should. And I'm sure everybody thinks in their head, like, all right, that's enough. Stop talking. But like, no doubt. I, I always want to make a comment. Um, do you want to talk about the other rule changes too? The other two? Uh, the other two. I've got one. I've got the uh, the extra inning runner rule. That's the one. What's the other one? The bases. Oh, the uh, larger bases? Yeah. Do you care about that? No. Okay, cool. So we can talk about the the ghost runner thing. Yeah, I don't care about the bases. I just think it's so wild that we even did the bases thing. But I do want to talk about the ghost runner thing because this is an interesting point. Um, to to me, when you're talking about major league baseball, there's something about being in the big leagues that, like, I don't like the seven inning double headers. I don't like the ghost runner. I I get that not many people in April want to play an 18 inning game. I grasp that. Yeah. But you're playing to win the world series, man. And like, it's just always been a nine inning major league baseball game. I feel like it should always be a nine inning major league baseball game played standard. No help. That's a, you know, now what I will also say is I love it in the minor leagues because you don't need 18 innings in the minor leagues. You just don't need that. You're going to have to make moves that you don't need to make. It, it's it's unnecessary for a lot of reasons. But in the big leagues, I just, you're taking some of the, the tradition away from me. So I appreciate that they don't do it in the postseason. Um, I appreciate the Astros-Mariners game that went however many innings. Um, yeah. yeah, Pena. I appreciate the... Um, 
what's the other postseason? Oh, uh, Rays Guardians when Oscar Gonzalez walked it off oh, and it was one nothing in fifteen. Like that was so cool. So I appreciate that in the postseason. Now, a lot of what we've been talking about um, in twenty twenty two was protecting arms, um, and like yes, you're doing that. Roster. Without question, you're doing They're, that. You're doing that without question for sure. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot of teams wanted to throw position players in tighter games in typical and why we saw more position players throwing because they want to protect arms. So I think in terms of pitcher health, in terms of reliever health, this is probably the best thing that Major League Baseball can do. So I can't fault them for that. But you're right. Like it does take some of that purity of the game away. And like, yeah, you probably, if you're a fan, an 11-inning game isn't that much cooler than a 9-inning game, but a 14-inning game is. Like, yeah, that's something, is cool. even 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 in May, that's something cool. Like, man, I went to a 15-inning Dodgers game last night. Right. That's cool. Like, And I, I'm not sure you're going to see that many less because I think that, look, it's a situation that both teams are starting with. So it's not like anybody's getting an advantage. It's just yeah. different. Something is different. It's just, it is, it's, it's that. It's different, and... I, you know, like I said, man, I I probably value the big leagues more than the average baseball player. But, man, like, it's the freaking big leagues, man. Like, it's it's like you see in the movies, you know? Like, you watch you, Bull Durham. Dude, I love Bull Durham. That's probably my favorite sports movie of all time, Bull Durham and Tin Cup. Gotcha. And, like, you know, that was his whole thing, right? It was, like, it's the freaking big leagues. It's it's special. It's There's something about that, and I – I think you're losing just a hint of that with this. Right. Um, so, so much, I'm sure so much of what you're feeling has to do with you want this sensation of something new to come to you for the first time at the highest level of the game. And this, this was the California rule that everybody grew up with in little league, right? Like this is huh. something that feels little league that's coming to major league baseball. And I'm, I'm sure that's where you're a little frustrated with that rule. I, I we, I'll, I'll, this will be the last thing I'll say about it. I And we need to have, so maybe our next you and me episode, uh, at one of my old podcasts, I did, um, like if you could implement one rule change, didn't matter what it was, what would you do? One of the guys, this was crazy interesting to me. One of the guys and the old podcast was with Jeremy Frank and Devin Fink, who are both yeah. in, in, uh, working in major league baseball or for major league baseball teams now. So yeah, Jeremy's with the Cubs now, right? I believe so. And I believe Devin's with the Orioles. So like, yeah, it's, uh, right. they're both kind of at home. It's, it's a really cool situation. Those guys are incredibly intelligent, but uh, one of them brought up the concept. Now, obviously this is crazy, but it was kind of cool. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every inning after the 10th, which I'll say this too, like maybe that would be something that wouldn't bother me as bad as if, if we gave everybody the 10th, we start this rule in the 11th. Um, but he said, okay, give everybody the 10th, and starting in the 11th, you lose one position player. You can choose which one you get, but you lose one from the field. So by the 12th, you've lost two. By the 13th, you've lost three. That's, that's a, really that's creative. Concept. Yeah, I couldn't pluck that. Uh, I couldn't pluck that like right now if we were to do that. But yeah, you give me a couple days, I'll try and match yeah. that level of creativity. That's I already really know what I'm coming with, so you better think about it. All right, I'll be prepped for next uh yeah, next week. That sounds good. Um, all right, folks, we got a player interview coming on uh, Friday, but uh, enjoy your week. And Taylor, happy Valentine's Day to you and the missus. Happy belated birthday and you as well. Thanks, man. Talk to you guys soon.